In studying any book of the Bible, it is so very important to ask some basic questions. One basic question is this, what is this book telling me about God? What is it telling me about His character and His nature? After all, the Bible is a book from God and about God and the relationship that He wants to have with us as His creation. In the book of Exodus, we see that God comes down. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8. He comes down in the sense that He wants to deliver His people out of Egypt. When we look at the end of the book of Genesis, a family of 70 or so, Abraham's family has grown to 70 or so, but by the time you get to the book of Exodus, the family has multiplied. The sons of Jacob have multiplied to now where they are in excess of over a million, it seems. What a big difference that makes. And also during this time, a significant amount of time has elapsed. So much so that a Pharaoh has come along that no longer remembered Joseph and the great service he had rendered to the kingdom of Egypt during his lifetime. And so when we pick up the book of Exodus, God's people are enslaved. They are oppressed. And let's just take a moment and go over the five books that we call the Pentateuch, the five volumes, the five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And let's stop for a minute and think about what each one says about God and His nature. In Genesis, a key word to keep in mind is beginnings. Beginnings. And as we think about the people of God in Genesis, the people of God are chosen God chooses Abraham and that through his family, all the nations of the earth would eventually be blessed through Jesus, the promised one. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Genesis emphasizes God's power, his power in creation, his power in taking an old man and an old woman like Abraham and Sarah and making it possible for them to have a son and how God would take and make a mighty nation out of a very small group initially. The book of Genesis emphasizes God as creator and his power. You get to the book of Exodus... And the key word or concept to keep in mind is the word deliverance. Deliverance. Because in the book of Exodus, God's people need to be rescued. They have been placed in a position of great oppression, of subjection, of enslavement for years and years, and life has been made awfully hard for them. They groan under the burden of being enslaved. And God is a God of mercy. 
that is important to appreciate in the book of Exodus. God is a God of mercy and He rescues, He saves His people. He comes down to bring them out of Egypt, if you will. Exodus 3 and verse 8. You get to the book of Leviticus and a key concept is worship and service. God is concerned about the worship and service that are offered to Him. And God is seen as holy in the book of Leviticus. It is a word that occurs with tremendous frequency in Leviticus. God is holy. And the idea here for God's people is that God's people are to be set apart. They are to be dedicated to Him and they are to sacrifice in a way that is God-pleasing and God-honoring. And we see in the book of Leviticus the great holiness of God. Then we come to the book of Numbers and Numbers emphasizes God's people and how they are guided or directed. In Numbers, what we have is the death of one generation and the coming along of another. One generation would die while wandering in the wilderness. But we see God's care, we see God's guidance and direction in providing for His people even as one generation passes on, one generation dies, and another generation comes along. God made sure their clothes did not wear out. God provided things like manna and quail for them to eat. God made sure that they had water to drink while wandering about in the wilderness. And some journey that should have only taken about 11 days ended up taking over 40 years because of disobedience. But God is just, and God continued to bless His people as a new generation would come along. Then you get to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy has this as a key concept, the renewed covenant. The book of Deuteronomy consists of a series of speeches from Moses to God's people, this new generation, preparing them to enter the promised land, the land that God had promised. God is seen in the book of Deuteronomy as loving and faithful. He is giving the people the land and they would have to possess it and take it to His glory and honor. You look at Deuteronomy and you see a great deal about the love of God. So here is a kind of a helpful way of thinking about these five books that we call the law or the Pentateuch, the opening books of the Bible and what they tell us about God. Now let's focus for the remaining time we have together on this book of Exodus and the great message that it has about departing, going out, leaving the bondage of Egypt and being blessed by God so mightily. You'll recall how in Genesis chapter 50, how that Joseph said toward the close of his life in Genesis 50, 22 and following, please take my bones when you leave, when you go out of Egypt. You see, Joseph remembered the promise that had been made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, Genesis 25, 23, and on through the ages, God keeps His Word. He saw 
and He was going to deliver His people. Here's a basic outline for the book of Exodus that I think will prove helpful to you. Three words I'd like for you to remember. The first word is subjection or enslavement. Subjection or enslavement. They're enslaved. They are oppressed. Life is hard. And this is the first 12 chapters of the book of Exodus. So subjection, that's the idea, enslavement. And what God does to get His people out of Egypt. This involves things like the ten plagues that many of you have heard about. We read about them in Exodus chapters 7 through 12. But when you keep on looking, here's a second word, a second concept to keep in mind in breaking down this book. This book is about emancipation. Exodus is God's great emancipation proclamation that those who'd been enslaved and in subjection, now it's a time of liberation. And this you can see from Exodus chapter 12 on through about chapter 18. Exodus chapter 12 through 18. But consider this third word. The third word is the word Revelation or covenant. Revelation or covenant. And we read about this in Exodus chapters 19 through 40. Exodus chapters 19 through 40. Because what we have in Exodus 19 through 24 is the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, for example. What we have in chapter 25 through about chapter 31 is God's instruction concerning the construction of the tabernacle, a tent in which He would be worshipped as they made their way out of Egypt on into the land of promise, and His instructions concerning the priesthood. Then as you look at Exodus chapters 32 through 34, you have the sin of Israel, the golden calf incident, and other things for which Moses would intercede on their behalf before God. And then in chapters 35 through 40, as we think about this matter of revelation, God giving the law, God giving instructions concerning the the tabernacle and the priesthood and how priests were to conduct themselves in the worship and the service of the Almighty. The sin of the people in chapters 32 through 34 and Moses and his subsequent intercession for them. In chapters 35 through 40, we read about the construction of the tabernacle according to the will and the plan of God. Indeed, the principle of Hebrews 8 and verse 5 truly fits to make all things according to the pattern. How we need to respect what God says in His Word. It's a matter of His authority. That's what we need to think about for every religious practice, for every religious act, because we want to have a saving relationship with the Lord God Himself. And that can be done as we humbly yield to Him in loving obedience. 
What I'd like for us to do now is to look at some passages from the book of Exodus that I think just help us with its great message of deliverance and rescue and God being merciful and caring when His people are enshackled, when they are enslaved, when they're in bondage. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 5, Exodus 3 and verse 5, you see God having a messenger come along. His name is Moses. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 5, God would speak to Moses and He would say that the ground upon which you stand is holy ground. Therefore, take off your shoes, your sandals. Our God is completely and perfectly holy. He is of purer eyes than to look upon sin. Habakkuk 1, 12 and 13. Sin would separate men from God. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. And God's holiness has to do with the absolute love He has for all that is good and pure and lovely and the holy and absolute hatred that He has for what pollutes and stains and destroys, for what is sinful. You that love the Lord hate evil. Psalm 97 verse 10, Amos 5 and verse 15. And when you think about the concept of the holiness of God and the great love He has for what is pure and good and right and the holy abhorrence, the holy hatred He has for what is not for what is stained and for what is sinful and what is, uh, is death-causing, it is the only attribute of God that is three-peated. Holy, 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 Isaiah 6, 3. God is the embodiment, the personification of all that is holy. Revelation 4, verse 8. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and who was and who is to come. Think about that. The holiness of God. Exodus 3 and verse 5. But keep looking at Exodus 3 and what a great chapter it is. You can see in verse 6 that God is the great I am, that He is the God. I am, He says, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And He goes on to say, I am Exodus 3 and verse 14. What an amazing God. Think about the fact that statement, I am ever existing, ever present, ever one upon whom you can call, I am. And then think about how this points to Jesus in the New Testament, especially in the Gospel of John when He repeatedly refers to Himself, Jesus, our Lord, as I am. Before Abraham was, I am, John 8, 58. I am the bread of life, John 6, verse 35 through 48. I am the way, the truth, the life, John 14, 6. I am the light of the world, John 8 and verse 12, John 9, verses 5 and 6. Oh, when we think about God, He is the great I am. And that's what we see in Exodus chapter 3. You keep on going in the book of Exodus and there's so much to take in. 
in Exodus chapter 7 through 12, you read of the 10 plagues that would come upon Egypt in order to get Pharaoh to say that the people of God can go. Make a study of those 10 plagues sometime and notice, pay special attention, how that the plagues have specific application to various idols, to various deities that were worshipped under the Egyptian religion. You see, the Egyptians were polytheistic. They believed in many gods, and they had a god for virtually any and everything. Some were greater, some were lesser, but they had these gods. And throughout the plagues, God is indicating in very clear terms He is greater than all the gods of Egypt. So we can see that in chapters 7 through 12. Look at Exodus chapter 12, and in many ways it is a key chapter in the book because they go from enslavement to liberation, from subjection to freedom, and it happens because of the power of God. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 23, When the Lord sees the blood, He will pass over you. God gave stipulations as to how they could avoid having the firstborn son die. The blood was to be appropriately placed at the proper places, the blood of the Lamb. And in a very real way, Jesus is our Passover, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. And the Old Testament beautifully points to the ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. What is seen here as a way of foreshadowing things of something greater. We were redeemed with incorruptible things, the precious blood of the Lamb. 1 Peter 1 verses 18 and 19. In Exodus chapter 14, Exodus chapter 14, it is a tremendous scene. The army of Egypt is in hot pursuit of the people of God, the Israelites. The sea is before them. You talk about being between a rock and a hard place. You talk about being in a position of great difficulty. The sea ahead of us, the army behind us. And listen to the servant of God, Moses, in Exodus 14. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Oh, what a great God, a God who rescues, a God who delivers, a God who saves. And in Exodus chapter 14, the people of God would go through the sea as though it were dry ground, that rock and a hard place, the sea before and the enemy behind the Egyptian army. God parts the sea. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of God. Think about that. The last verse of Exodus 14, verse 31, I believe, indicates that the people 
saw the great work of God in delivering them from Egypt, and they feared the Lord, and they believed God and His servant Moses. When we think about the awesome power and the amazing mercy of God in making deliverance from sin possible, Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Oh, friends, how we should believe God and respect those individuals that properly teach His Word. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse uh, 2, you have part of the great song of Moses. And what a marvelous song it is when you think about how God is so amazing and the deliverance that He makes possible here in this book and the deliverance He makes possible for us in Jesus. You have to sing. We ought to be a singing people. God is our strength. God is our song and God is our salvation. So sang Moses, and what a powerful song that is. God our strength, God our song, God our salvation. He sees us through. He's powerful and great and merciful. He is our song. The people of God have something to sing about as we march to our heavenly home, and God God will see us through. In Exodus chapter 17, we are given some great information. In Exodus chapter 17, the people of Israel are having to fight against the Amalekites. The Amalekites. And at a certain point, Moses grew weary and they took a stone and they allowed him to sit there and two men, Aaron and Hur, come and hold up Moses' arms. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen, as they hold up the arms of this servant of the Lord. When Moses grew weary and his arms went down, the battle went against the people of God. But thank God, there were men who were insightful, thoughtful enough to think about, let's hold up this servant of God's hands so that the victory can be achieved. And this day and time, how we need individuals like Aaron and her who will hold up the hands of those who want to serve the Lord Every person who really loves God and wants to serve Him should consider this example. Exodus chapter 18. Exodus 18 tells us a lot about leadership. Indeed, it is a veritable lesson, a veritable short course on leadership because Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, recognizes that Moses is trying to do too much. Now think about that. Regardless of how able, how talented, how much ability a person might have, no one can do it alone. We all stand in need of the help of others. And here in Exodus chapter 18, especially 17 and 18, Jethro tells Moses, I know that God has been blessing you and that the God of your people is great and awesome, but what you are trying to do is not good. You're taking on too much. Blessed is the spiritual leaders who recognize their need to delegate. 
to delegate to properly qualified, able individuals tasks that otherwise might not get the attention they deserve because one person cannot handle everything. That's Exodus 18. Then you get to Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus 20, there is the giving of the law. No other gods before me. Exodus 20, verses 3 through 5. How we need to think about that. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. 1 John 5 and verse 21. As you look at the commandments, the first several all have to do with our relationship with God. And then an emphasis is made on relationship with family and honoring father and mother, Exodus 20 and verse 12. And then from Exodus uh, chapter 20, verses 13 and following through 17 or so, what we have is an emphasis in the commandments on how we should relate to others, the value of life the preciousness of marriage and being faithful to one's spouse, the importance of our word not being covetous because covetousness is idolatry. Colossians 3 and verse 5. How we need to set our affections on things that are above. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. As we stop and think about this, let's go to Exodus chapter 23 and notice verse 2. What a great principle is found here. When the Word of God says, Follow not a multitude to do evil. Oh, so many people do what's right, but they do it for the wrong reason. So many others do what's wrong, and they do it always for the wrong reasons. Exodus 23, 2, follow not a multitude to do evil because the majority is doing something doesn't make it right. Often God's people have found themselves in the minority. But please listen, one person who is with the Lord is always in the right, even if every other person takes a different view. Follow not a multitude to do evil. When you look at Exodus, consider Exodus chapter 33. In Exodus chapter 33, it indicates in verse 18 that Moses wanted to see the glory of God. Show me your glory. Here he is, a prophet of God who had received the law of God, and yet there is still this consuming desire, this overwhelming passion on the part of God's servant, the one with whom he spoke face to face as a friend. There was this consuming desire to see more of God's glory. We are emphasizing this spotlight on the Word and looking at each book of the Bible in order to help encourage you to have a greater hunger and thirst for God and His precious will. Look at Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. There are passages in the Old Testament that are such marvelous portraits of our great God and King. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7 is simply one of them. It is a passage that refers to the mercy and to the grace and to the long-suffering of God. 
and how he is abounding, abounding in goodness and in truth. Oh, the things that we can learn in this biographical indication of God and what he is like. In Exodus chapter 34, Exodus 34, verses 28 and 29. Recall how in chapter 33 and verse 18, Moses longed to see more of the glory of God. In Exodus 34, having seen more of God's glory, his face shone. The brightness of God's glory, even though he had seen but just a part, a representation, a slight representation of God in all of his glory, and yet his face shone. By way of analogy, our passion to know God more should result in our faces being different and our hearts being changed. God bless you.